we encounter strangers in our work all yeah. the time. All the time. And we know that they're lying to us sometimes. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yes, your book's overdue. We don't really, you know, it's fine. But, you know, we don't need a story about it. That's probably not true. <laughs> Maybe I'm less trusting than you. <laughs> Welcome to Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast, where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jane. I'm Paula. Hello. Hello. End of the year. Here we are. Here we are. December. Is your Christmas tree up? No. We just talked about it, though, on the weekend, and we were saying we got to put it up this weekend. Come on. Yeah. Because the kids are there, so. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) What, yours has been up for like a month or something, since the parade, right? Yes. Yes. The Adelaidean way. Yes. (laughs) No, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I got to get with the program. You do. You really do. <laughs> okay. Well, this month we talked. We talked. We read "Talking to Strangers." Yes. But now we're going to talk about. And it. now we're going to talk about talking <laughs> to strangers. How nobody should do it. No, that's not what we're saying. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll read the blurb on the back. Um, the routine traffic stop that ends in tragedy. The spy who spends years undetected at the highest levels of the Pentagon. The false conviction of Amanda Knox. Why do we so often get other people wrong? Through a series of encounters and misunderstandings from history, psychology, and infamous legal cases, Malcolm Gladwell takes us on an intellectual adventure into the darker side of human nature, where strangers are never simple and misreading them can have disastrous consequences. So, Malcolm Gladwell is uh, the author of five bestseller books, um, The Tipping Point, Blink, Outliers, What the Dog Saw, and David and Goliath. Have you um, read any of them? No. I've read The Tipping Point. I feel like I'm the only one that's never read. I hadn't even heard of him. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. Can yeah. you believe that? I feel like he's... Everyone like knows. Like, yeah. And you'd like his stuff, I think. Yeah, I mm. think so too. Um, he's also the co-founder of Pushkin Industries, an audio audio content company um, that produces the podcast Revisionist History, um, which reconsiders things both overlooked and misunderstood and Broken Record, where he, Rick Rubin and Bruce Headlam interview musicians across a wide range of genres. That sounds awesome, that podcast. Rick Rubin's the one of the co-founders of Def Jam Records. Oh, right. And is like, you know, hailed as one of the 20 most influential producers in the world and all of this sort of stuff. So that would be... Right. I haven't listened to that. I I am a regular listener of Revisionist History. I really that love it. That sounds really good yeah, too. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and, it's, and I feel like I can hear, because I am such a... Um, a fan of his podcast I can hear his voice when I when I was um reading talking to strangers it was very him I think I'm going to look into those podcasts they sound good yeah um he's been included in the times 100 most influential people and is touted as one of foreign policy's top global thinkers that last bit was from his own website so take from that yeah what you will (laughs) (laughs) no I'm sure he's quoting a reliable Surely, surely. (laughs) I Um, chose this book because it was getting a lot of press. I don't know. Have you seen it independent of the podcast? No, it's just me. Okay. Because he was on (laughs) Oprah. He was on Oprah's podcast and he was on Russell Brand's podcast. Mm -hmm. And I um, am a fan of both of them. So that's probably why it came up a lot for me. Yeah. Mm. Um, It took me a little while to get into this. Like the first 50 pages, I was like, where is this going? What's it? 
telling me? I found, I have that too, that I found the beginning um, chapters that talk about all the spies and the diplomats mm. to be a bit, I don't know if dry is the word, but the way he keeps circling back to certain people, I found yeah. confusing because he'd be talking about somebody else and then he'd come back and say, oh, it's like this person. And I think, who is that it's person like Cuba again? in 1938 mm. when blah, blah happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess... Some of those things I had some knowledge of, but not all of those things. So I guess if you didn't have any idea of there even being an issue with between Cuba and the US in the 50s, was mm. it? Yeah, um, something like that, yeah. It might you know, it'd take you a little bit to sort of catch on. To, there's a bit of an assumed knowledge about some historical stuff at the beginning. Yeah, at the beginning, yeah, because yeah. I didn't really – I mean, obviously, I know – you know, the tensions between the U.S. and, and Cuba with Fidel Castro and everything. Mm. But I, it, my knowledge of it was very yeah. limited. And I didn't know about all the, what do they call them when they're double agents, um, counterintelligence yeah, officers so. that were yeah. spies. Mm. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, those I'd never heard of those names before no. either. But yeah. So, yeah, I found that bit a bit hard going yeah. at the beginning. Um, but he starts off with the case of Sandra Bland, yes, um, who was a woman from Chicago who was stopped in Texas for um, traffic a, violation. A traffic violation, very which minor. It was extremely minor, mm. and she was annoyed by it. And then three days later, she ends up um, dead in her cell, yeah, um, having committed suicide. So he starts off there, and then he. Um, branches off into these other cases like the yeah. spies and the um the diplomats yeah and then he goes on to more certainly to me well-known yeah um criminal cases yeah all from the states it's very american focused yeah. i feel like i need to say that up front because i feel like some people might not but i think the cases that he used they're so massive that you know i mean i knew all of those you know amanda knox Larry Nassar, Sarah, Jerry Sandusky, Brock Turner. Yep. That's all stuff that went around the world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. To the point where um yeah, I I knew I knew all about the mm. case already. I mean, obviously he's looking at it um through a different lens yep. and that was um interesting. But yeah, um I don't know if that was a a pro or a con that I knew all of. I think it, for me it was a pro because mm. I read, I mean, particularly some of those um, cases I've read a lot about mm. um, and that helped me because particularly with something like um, the Jerry Sandusky mm. case who um, was convicted on multiple uh, lots and lots of cases of um, child sex abuse um, while he was um, – working at Penn State University, it was massive news mm. and I can't even imagine how huge it would have been in the States. But um, there's a lot of um, how could they get a lo get away with this for so long? Mm. How did they – how did nobody know? How did nobody report this? And the same with um, the Brock Turner probably and Larry Nassar mm, particularly. Larry Nassar, yeah. So he does do a little bit of a deep dive into telling us um, – Exactly that. How did they get away with it for so long? Right. And Why also, didn't we pick it up? And also, um, I think one of, I've, I've got a quote here from him 
um, because he's ha- he had this um, interview on Goodreads, um, and the woman who was interviewing him said that she feels less likely to trust strangers after reading his book, and mm. he was saying that's the opposite, actually, yeah. of what his intention was with this book, and he says... The thing I've been saying about this book is some books take something complicated and simplify it. This book is the opposite. It takes what we think is simple and complicates it. It's not possible to tie up all the conclusions in the book with a bow. Yeah. Um, and that's certainly true. But what to get back to what you were mm. saying is that he he's saying that we should go a bit easy on the people who didn't yes. Yes. see what to us in retrospect looks yeah. glaringly obvious. Hindsight 2020 vision. Yeah it's very easy to see where the mistakes were made. But, mm. um, yeah, he does talk about our assumption of trust or what's the Truth, word? yeah. He, uh, he talks truth. Yeah, default that's truth. right. Yeah. He, he, I've got a list here of, of some of the things he talks mm. about. One of them is defaulting to truth and that human beings naturally assume that when people tell them something that they're telling yeah. them the truth. Yeah. Um, the fact that there are no real tells for when people lie. Yeah. Um, you know, he's interviewing the, the top people in the CIA and the FBI yeah. that are supposed to know. And th- most of the time they don't do any better than the rest of us. No, or in comparison to when they ran the data through a That's algorithm. Right. The computer does better. The computer did better. Yeah. Because judges are making assumptions based on behaviours and... Um, eye contact and the way somebody's standing and that's right all and of those sorts of yeah that was judging recidivism like yeah the mm. the, the computer was better at yeah at that. yeah which is I mean all of this was quite scary <laughs> really yeah <laughs> um yeah. Th- that facial expressions are not universal yeah those that were was some interesting. interesting studies yeah that was really interesting yeah I really liked the section on the Amanda Amanda Knox case mm. um because I read a lot about that when that first happened and I can't remember what year it was. It was maybe eight years ago. Something like that, ago, yeah. Something like that. Um, she was basically convicted based on the fact that her behaviours were not in line with what we assume somebody should be like in a period of grief or shock or sadness or whatever. Right. So do you think our Australian's Amanda Knox is Lindy Chamberlain? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Yeah. Because it was the same yeah. thing, really. She wasn't behaving. She wasn't weeping and she wasn't crying on TV and she yeah. looked mean. Mm. But that's all based on our assumptions. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy because I wasn't here or I was, you know, young when that happened mm. for me to look back and think, oh, well, it was obvious that she was innocent. But I was in and amongst when all the Amanda Knox stuff was coming out. And I thought, yeah, she seems weird. Yeah, I did the (laughs) same. Yeah, she's probably guilty. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I stretched it to guilt, but Mm. I did stretch. I was like, "Mm, she doesn't look that perturbed by Mm. her housemate being murdered. Murderly murdered, yeah. Yeah, in her house. Mm. Um, That was really interesting. I liked the conclusions that he drew from that Mm. and how you just don't know sometimes. Yeah. Because I mean, would you say that you generally trust people and you generally think people are telling you the truth? I would say to a fault. Yeah. Um, um, Yeah. I probably shouldn't be announcing that on the podcast. um, You can ask Paula anything. (laughs) Just believe whatever you say. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? I feel like you're a bit more discerning. Um, I don't know. Mm. I might be a little bit more discerning, but I generally, if it's somebody that I'm close to or Mm. a friend or... 
generally I'll think they're on yeah they're telling the they're truth. telling the truth yeah yeah I can think of a couple of situations personally where I thought somebody was telling me the truth mm. even though there were signs that are obvious to me now that they weren't yeah um but yeah the, I can see that was definitely defaulting to the mm. truth I definitely did that whereas when I when I read some of this stuff I think I wouldn't on. do that no but yeah when you are close to somebody yeah mm. yeah and there's a, also some he talks also about people in positions of power and how we especially default to truth with them with them mm. as well um um, before when I was talking about, you know, he, M Malcolm Gladwell says that he wants people to be more trusting, not less. Do you think he succeeded with that? I don't know. I think the book is quite, um, and we are just saying this before, there's whole sections that I feel like I need to read again mm. or listen to the audio book to get um, a better understanding of what he's talking about. It is quite, um, there's lots of talk of um, science and studies and experiments that have happened so it's not it's not a super easy quick read I didn't find anyway mm. after so many months of reading fiction I think jumping into something heavy was a bit of a brain flip for me right um I, I think it's sorry yeah I think it's highlighted why you shouldn't which is the opposite of what he's saying yeah, I don't know. That's a really tricky question. What yeah, do you well, think? Uh, yeah, I think if you were a trusting person going in, mm. you probably still would be like. To me, having read all that, yeah. I feel a bit exhausted by it. Like I yeah. can't imagine <laughs> trying to consider all those things when I'm yeah. talking to people on a on a daily basis. And we encounter strangers in our work yeah. all the time. All the time, and we know that they're lying to us sometimes. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yes, your book's overdue. We don't really, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but, you know, we don't need a story about it. That's probably not true. <laughs> Maybe I'm less trusting than you. <laughs> I find I, I, I often get it wrong. I think the people who I think, nah, nah, that's, that's mm. a big story. And, some, and often it, well, I don't know often. It's turned out to be true. And then yeah. I think, oh, it goes wrong the there. It doesn't matter. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll renew it. It's fine. Yeah, I know. It's fine. <laughs> it's not like we're like some of these people judges and deciding the fate of people's lives though well that's exactly i mean right. this I could was, never be a judge no neither could i certainly not but i mean this was the tragic thing um you know he as i was just saying he starts off with sandra bland and then he comes back mm, to sandra bland yeah. which is just her story is such it's a horrible. tragedy and i was reading some of the notes at the back and he um he listed somebody else who was very similar to sandra bland a gentleman i can't remember his name now but same sort of thing he was stopped by a police officer who was like you know, like this guy, he's trying to make mm. his quota. He's been yeah. told that he's got to stop everybody for these minor infractions. Yeah. And what happened to him set his life on such a different course from the way it was going. He lost his job. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you're massively affecting these people's lives to some... Based on uh, an assumption. An assumption. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite scary. Um, I will say, I don't think I was totally on board with his take on the Brock Turner Stanford case i don't think you'd be alone no i that. found that a really hard um thing to get on board with um he certainly wasn't he wasn't glib or um you know he clearly researched and did a lot of talking to a lot of people and i, I'm, I don't want to he didn't treat it um poorly i just i think it 
his take was um, that it comes down to how impossible the concept of consent is when people are blackout drunk. Mm. Um, and I, I will say he, he's not excusing that at all, but I think, I don't know, I had a hard time with that chapter. Um, I don't know, it didn't sit right with me. What did you think? Yeah, I think a lot of probably women especially, let's yeah. face it, um, would – yeah, have similar problems with that. I um, I, I agree with his mm. um, thoughts on um, alcohol, the effect of alcohol, and his whole um, um, theory about myopathy. Yeah, how it used to yeah. be that people just said, "Oh, alcohol dis- disinhibits your behavior," but mm. actually, it makes you hyper focused on one thing. Yeah, and you forget about everything else, mm. which is different from just being disinhibited. That's right. Um, yeah, it was it was a difficult chapter. I was thinking of it more because my son's about to start mm. uni. Yeah. Um, and he's just started, you know, going out with his mates yeah. and having a drink. He went to schoolies last mm. week. And I feel like oh, I need to have a, a talk with him. Yeah. You know? Scary. Yeah, yeah it is. It was, Yeah. We'd be interested, if anyone's read it, we'd be interested to see what you think about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, one section, and I think it's a quote, I didn't even write down which page it was from, mm. um, going back to what you were saying about, um, you know, did this book make you feel like you trust people more or less? Um, he says, we'll never know the whole truth. We have to be satisfied with something short of that. The right way to talk to, to strangers is with caution and humility because we do not know how to talk to strangers. What do we do when things go awry with strangers? We blame the stranger. Yeah, that was how he ended it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's a good quote. And I really liked that because we do, if there's an issue or even in, you know, our customer service yeah. lives here in, in libraries or if we have an issue with someone we've purchased something from or our bank or whatever, mm. it's generally the other person's fault that we can't communicate properly with them. Right, right or we're making assumptions or all of that sort of thing. I yeah. thought that was interesting. We're never going to actually know the truth ever. Yeah, uh, but I like I really like what he said there about how all you can do is approach it with humility. What was it? Humility and, and caution. And caution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if we all do that then, you know. Yeah. We'll go okay. And I've I've written that here. This is my takeaway from the book. Things need to be looked at on a case by case basis and there are no easy answers. No. Yeah. Which people don't like. It's, you know, it's taxing. It's much easier to throw people into boxes and say, well, when somebody shifts their eyes down, that means they're lying. They look up to the left. Yeah. Because I'm They shuffle their feet. (laughs) That's right. They fidget. And I'm a real, I fidget a lot. (laughs) They fidget. They must be nervous and telling lies. Lies. Not necessarily. Some people just like fidgeting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought that people who like reading books about understanding how people work and how they think. Yeah, psych- um, psychology kind of. Yeah, those social science kind mm. of books. Um, maybe, maybe even true crime. Oh, yeah, yes. Might yeah, get yeah. into this, yeah. I think. Um, it's a different take on some of those really big um, cases That's that have right. happened in the last, you know. Decade or Yeah, a so. couple of decades and mm. plus a bit of historical ones. Mm. Um, have you ever read Freakonomics? No. I think fans of Freakonomics yeah. would really like this book. True. Yeah. It's a different take on some of these things. Yeah. Nice one. Good choice. Yeah? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Did you like it? I liked it. I didn't love it, but yeah. I liked it. I think that I'm going to read um, some of his other books. Yeah. Tipping yeah. Point is, yeah, is interesting. I, I read it so long ago now. I, I'm not sure if I can say it's still relevant, but mm. it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I did read one review that said this book, Talking to Strangers, in comparison to his other books, mm. um, is a little harder going. Ah. And it's a bit easier to just read through his other books. Okay. Um, so that might be appealing to people too. Yeah. So what did you read this month? I read this book called The Chain um, by Adrian McKinty. So I'll just read you a little tiny bit from the back. Um, the morning starts like any other. Rachel Klein drops her daughter Kylie at the bus stop and heads into her day. But then a cell phone call from an unknown number changes everything. On the line is a woman informing Rachel that she has Kylie bound and gagged in her back seat. And the only way Rachel will ever see her again is if she pays a ransom and kidnaps another child. So yeah, obviously sort of psychological thriller. Oh yes. Um, very fast paced, um, very, uh, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. this, I, I had a hard time trying to, as you can hear, um, trying to wrap my words around what I wanted to say about this book, because I feel like it's really well done to the point where it's not even enjoyable because it's so you're so involved in what's happening. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, because, so she's had her child kidnapped and the only way to get her back is she's got to kidnap somebody else and that's why it's called the chain. He oh, got right. the idea from like in the 80s when you were a kid and there were those yes. chain letters. Yes. But he's like, what you have to do is, you know, you have to start with the bad thing. That's mm. what encourages you to keep the chain going is because you're invested from the beginning because a right. bad thing has already happened. Right. And so, um, you know, I kept thinking, oh, this is ridiculous. Nobody would ever, no normal person would just go and kidnap a child. But then I would think, well, yeah, but what if somebody had my daughter mm. who was about the same age as the daughter in this yeah. book? I thought, yeah, well, and, and it's like, you know, the usual, if you go to the police, then we'll kill her. If yeah, you do this, watching. we'll kill her. We're watching. Yeah, and yeah. there was all sorts of evidence of the fact that they were watching. And it was so tense and uncomfortable and Ugh. and hard to like you put yourself in her shoes and you think about what you would do and it was it was very tense so sounds enjoyable it was not enjoyable <laughs> but if you want to put yourself like, in that um, position of wondering what you would do if somebody took your beloved oh my god 14 year old girl no. <laughs> it sounds like it could be a movie it does i I've, didn't look to see um, if there were any movie prospects in the works like, for um, it, but what's definitely. that one with that guy? And everyone always quotes it. Oh, Liam Neeson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What does he say? Something about I don't know. I can't remember. But he, it says it in that Liam Neeson voice. Yeah. It's I will. Yeah. I will oh, hunt you down that? and I will find you or something. Something like that. Like that. Oh, it's like a meme. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't even remember what the movie's called. <laughs> anyway, if you like psychological thrillers. Um, this is extremely tense and, uh, yeah. All right. Add it to your list. Yep. Sounds like fun. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not for you, Jane. (laughs) Wrote that too. Jane would hate this. (laughs) Um, I read a book that I talked about last month. I think I talked about this. It was coming out, um, 
soon. This is one of the This Is Coming Out, This Looks Good books. This fits into my witchy oh, book theme. Oh, the witchy <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think this might have ended the witchy period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called Impossible Causes by Julie Mayhew. Um, I so desperately wanted to love this book. The cover oh, is... I love the cover. The cover is gorgeous and witchy and it's got a... Um, a big long braid on the front and it's got lots of witchy symbols. Um, I will read just the verse because I talked about it last month. I won't mm. go on about it. Um, four elements, four seasons, four points on the compass, four teenage girls and one dead body. The arrival of three strangers on Lark, a remote island with a population of 300, is the cause of much speculation. The first, a young teacher, the only male teacher on the island. The other two, a mother and her teenage daughter. What have they come to escape and what will they find waiting for them on Lark? So this promised um, a bit of witchcraft and intrigue and mystery, but it just didn't hit the mark oh, didn't at deliver. all. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I mean, I read this while I was on holidays as well, so I don't know if that had something to do with it. I was just not really in the mood for reading. Oh, I would think it'd be the opposite. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I got through it. Um, the setting, Lark, is a slightly cultish, religious, isolated island. So it had, um, it was certainly atmospheric and it felt, you could feel the isolation and you felt like you were far away on this windswept, strange little island. Um, but the, the plot was a bit confusing. It lacked depth for some of the characters. Some of the characters were beautifully written and then others were a bit light on. Um, and didn't really ring true for, say, a teenage girl. Um, there's also a lot of time jumps in there. So that time jumps plus a, a large cast of characters made it a bit disjointed. Mm, right. Um, it slightly reminded me of LMNOP, just from ah. the, the strange cultish island. I see. Atmosphere-y type thing. Um, but it was just, I don't know. It was average and I really wanted to like it. That's disappointing. I know. Mm. So it was okay. Right. Maybe like a two and a half out of five. Right. Mm. It's not so good. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I don't have a lot else to talk about because I'm sort of like three quarters of the way Mm. through a few books. Yeah, that, I've got that at home Yeah, too. do you have that? So yeah. I can't, uh, I don't want to talk about them yet. Um, the other one that I read, I can't really say much about because it's fake by Stephanie Wood, which you've oh, already talked about. Yeah. But I would second everything that you said um, what before did you about think? it. I loved it. I just yeah. gobbled it up. It was, um, so yeah. absorbing. It was very it? absorbing. Yeah. That might yeah. be on our list of books of the year, maybe. And I put on here the thing about online dating, which you wouldn't, be able to relate to no. but it reminded me of why i am glad i'm no longer online dating <laughs> <laughs> yeah and some parallels between talking to strangers i guess as well yeah that's true i hadn't thought about that yeah before but i guess because i read stuff in between them but yeah mm. that's totally right because yeah she just defaulted to truth with this dude all the time and we're reading it and going come reading. on Oh, I know. The whole way through, you're like, really? You couldn't yeah. see that? Right. Like, he never lets you come to his house. He never lets yeah. you do this. You never see that. Yeah. Yeah. 
so obvious, but, but again, defaulted yeah. to truth. And we all have to be a bit sort of kinder and yeah. more forgiving for people when they get taken in because like it happens all, all the, the time, time. including to the FBI and the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> what chance do we have? <laughs> um, the other one I read, and this is a really old book. Um, I see that. Wow. Yeah. Um, Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil oh. Gaiman. So I read this the first time maybe 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Really long time ago. And Amazon have maybe six months ago put out a TV series based on Good Omens. Yeah, and it's quite popular. It, it's getting good. I haven't read or oh, okay. seen or heard anything about whether it's good or not. I okay. just saw an ad for it and I thought I really want to see that. Good one. Um, so I reread it, but I listened to the um, BBC dramatisation that I borrowed on Libby um, because, and I'm holding it up to show Paula because it's one of those old tiny paperbacks mm. with yellow, it's yellow, that's how old this copy yellow is. Yellow pages, yeah. Tiny font. Mm. And I'm too old for tiny <laughs> font now. <laughs> so anyway, I listened to the dramatisation and it was fantastic. Oh, on Libby. Good yes. one. And because it's a dramatisation, it was um, – they obviously re- released it in chapters or in parts um, uh, on the BBC uh, radio. Right. Um, and so it's, it's basically like listening to a movie without the visual. So there's sound effects and there's different voices and there's um, all sorts of interesting noises and it's, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's not your just average audio book. It's no. a bit more than that. Yeah, that's mm. right. So it was really um, I encouraged my husband to listen to it because he's, um, I think he'd like audiobooks, but it's a nice gateway audiobook mm. because it'll get you in. Yeah. Um, but it's not quite as dry as some of them that you could hear. Right. Um, if you haven't read it, I'm not going to go on about it. It's um, fast paced, funny. It's kind of, I don't know, there's an element of um, geek about Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman's books. Mm, in um, the best way. Yeah, in the best way. Mm. So I don't actually know if um, fans of Terry Pratchett love this book or not because mm. he's famously written the Discworld series, which has got a million books in the series. Um, yeah, it's great. I'd encourage if you're into a bit of fantasy, it's very English, it's very funny, very dry humour. Mm. It's good. Cool. I liked it again, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you have any other books that no. you were going to... Well, what we thought we would do, Jane and I, because we realized that we didn't have a book chosen for the new year. Yes. So we thought we'd have a little chat about it on the podcast. Sure. Instead of just announcing. Yeah. Um, do you want me to talk about what's coming out first? Oh, I thought you didn't have ones to talk about. Well, I picked a You've, couple. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Go for it. <laughs> there's not. I was saying to Paul, there's not a lot coming out this month. Most of the things that come out for Christmas have come out this month or um, last month. Mm. So I picked a cup, just a couple of things. Um, this one is called "This Is Happiness" by um, Neil Williams. Um, it's a little Bloomsbury book, which is always a lovely um, publisher. They publish really cute, little, beautifully made books. Um, Changes coming to Faha, a small Irish parish, unsheltered, um, unaltered in a thousand years. Rain is a condition of living, but now, just as the f- just as Father Coffee proclaims the coming of electricity, the rain clouds are lifting. This tender portrait of a community, its idiosyncrasies and traditions, its paradoxes and kindness, its failures and triumphs, is a coming of age tale like no other. 
luminous and lyrical. It's about the power of stories, their invisible currents that run through all we do and the transforming light they throw onto our world. Doesn't that sound lovely? I don't know if there's a genre, I don't know if you call it a genre, mm. that I like more than coming of age. I love coming of age mm. stories, like almost universally. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I just feel like anybody can relate to yeah, that. that's true. We've all done We've it. We've all done We've that. We've all come of age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been awkward and yeah. on what's going on and yeah. not adults, not kids. I don't know. I just, you yeah. Do, you do like them. You I'd, read a lot I'd, of them. I do. I like them. So that sounded kind of um, sweet and lovely mm. and quite nice. Um, there's another one called, and ironically it's got the, the term happiness in it. Oh. Again, happiness as such by Natalia Ginsberg. Um She's an Italian author, political activist and parliamentarian. Ah. Um, Her book is, um, oh, no, it's a family-ish kind of a But it's fiction. Oh, it is fiction. fiction, Yeah. Mm. Michelle is the beloved only son of a large dysfunctional um, family in 1970s Italy. Headstrong and independent, he's disappeared to London without explanation. Back in Italy, his father lies dying. Michelle's departure sets forth a series of events that will bring together everyone in his life. The story of the prodigal son turned on its head. Happiness as such is a short, absurdly funny novel in letters. Ah, uh, complicated. <laughs> One of my about words. complicated families and missed connections. Mm. And I know that Paula likes um, books in letters. Yes, epistolary books. Epistolary novels. Yep. Um, and that's kind of it. There's a couple others. We might list it on the. Facebook page, but there's nothing huge coming out right this month. So we were a bit sort of left hemming and hawing about mm. what we want to read for January, mm-hmm. and I suggested to Jane. Um, I don't know if um, people listening have seen the Facebook po- posts I put up about the fact that. They're, for the first time, there is they're starting a parliamentary book club. You're yawning already. <laughs> I said parliamentary book club, and Jane just did this huge yawn. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> but anyway, I just it reminded me of get ready to yawn some more. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, about 10 years ago, um, Yann Martel, who's the author of Life of Pi, mm-hmm. Canadian author, um, started sending books to Stephen Harper, who was the uh, Prime Minister of Canada back then, um, on a regular basis, t- trying to encourage our leaders to read, and not just nonfiction, but, yes. but fiction. And it really, it was the first time I had ever I had ever thought about the fact that, yeah, the leaders I want, I'll want them to yeah. read fiction and I don't want them to be the sort of people who think oh um, I've got m- more important things to do yeah um, because th- fiction is so good so yeah. good for people to read it is yeah. you know it helps you as well as entertaining you it helps you develop a sense of empathy and yes. understanding about other people and other yep. situations and all of that so when I heard that the um, parliament was starting a book club for the first time I thought that was pretty cool and their first pick is Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe so I suggested that one to Jane and she promptly dismissed it (laughs) (laughs) so what else are we considering (laughs) it's true I did I said no (laughs) so I'll just read that one on my own time (laughs) um we wanted to choose something that's 
out there a bit, as in, you know, lots of people are, it's sort of trending a little yes. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing The Weekend by Charlotte Wood everywhere at Definitely. the moment. Um, that was released in October this year. Um, it sounds like a bit of a friendship type book um, for older women with a lifelong friendship of the best kind, loving, practical, frank and steadfast. But when Sylvie dies, the ground shifts dangerously for the remaining three. Can they survive together without her? Now that sounds a bit naff, but (laughs) I think that it's been really popular. Lots of people are reading it. I don't think it's as um, light on as what that little description sounds. Yeah, well, one of the four of them dies. That seems pretty. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's sad. Yeah. Um. So that was one of my suggestions. Yeah, I like that one. I we do like, like the that cover one. too. And yeah, I do like the cover. Um, the other thing we considered was um, Christian White's latest. Now, Christian White um, had a lot of success with The Nowhere Child, which was that his um, debut novel, I feel like? I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, his new one is called The Wife in the Window. And based on the popularity of The Nowhere Child, mm. um, we thought maybe, maybe. The Wife yep. in the Window. Um, and I think we're already saying no to this one <laughs> because we realised it was um, horror rather than thriller. Oh, I didn't say no to that. <laughs> it's the proverbial we. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called Imaginary Friend by Stephen Chbosky. Um, This was also an October 2019 book. Um it's about – it's a bit hard to understand what it's about, but I do remember looking at it and thinking that sounds full-on and scary. Mm, it's got kind of a scary cover. I like yeah. The cover. Um, Kate Reese is a single mother fleeing an abusive relationship by starting over in a new town with her young son, Christopher. But Millgrove, Pennsylvania is not the safe place they thought it would be. Their world begins to unravel after Christopher vanishes into the Mission Street woods where 50 years earlier an eerily similar disappearance occurs. When he emerges six days later, unharmed but not unchanged, he brings with him a secret, a voice that only he can hear and a warning of tragedy to come. Oh, it sounds very Stranger Things. It does a little, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know if I'm too scared to read that though. (laughs) I don't know. We're thinking. Maybe. Maybe. We Um, haven't read a scary one really since Bird Box. Yeah, that's true. I guess Bird Box was was more sort of suspense. Yeah. It was a bit scary, but Yeah. yeah. Um, I also threw out Damascus, which um, Jane mentioned last month was coming out and <laughs> it being Christos um, Sulkis mm. latest. Um, there's a lot of buzz around that one. So I just thought I'd throw that one into the ring. Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is one of our colleagues suggested to us. She's an Australian um, author, Favel Parrot. I'm positive I'm not saying that correctly. <laughs> Might be Favel Paré. I've got no idea. Okay. Um, called There Was Still Love. It's a profoundly moving new novel from the critically acclaimed and Miles Franklin shortlisted author of Past the Shallows and When the Night Comes, a tender and masterfully story told of memory, family and love. And this spans across um, generations and eras. So there's uh, Prague in 1938 and... And then Prague 1980 and then Melbourne 1980. Mm. So it's a deep emotional insight um, into the strong women who bind families together. 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds, that sounds good to I've, me. I've never read that author, and I me keep either. seeing um, their books around, and I, yeah, yeah, see I want is, to. It's a pretty cover. It's a little um, sort of watercolour fox mm. on the front. Mm. And the other one I thought I'd mention was Penny Wong's biography because oh, you, yeah, yeah be we, good. yeah, and she's South Australian, and yeah. although we have just read nonfiction, so I don't know yeah. if we want to depart from. We might need to do fiction. Yeah, that'd be good though to read. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and are we going to talk about our end of year wrap up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're just winging it now. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. Um, so we're going to um, record a special edition end of year episode and we're going to talk about our favourite books for the year and yep. anything exciting that we're um, looking forward to reading next year, um, any big things that are happening um, really, so a bit of a roundup yeah. of the year. A roundup of the year, yep. yeah. Yep. And we've already got a bit of a list happening of our favourite books, so. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That'll be good. Okay, well, I'll make a list of the next the choices, the choices yep. for January and put them on Literary Anything Facebook group. Yep. And then... Um, Have maybe a week? Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Week Weigh to in, decide. Let us know, and then we'll tell you on our wrap-up podcast yeah. what was chosen. I might create some fake Facebook accounts and vote <laughs> you're like a russian hacker <laughs> i might pay for some fake Just accounts to vote for me <laughs> not damascus not dark emu <laughs> um yeah so let us know what you would like to read with us yep okay thanks paula thanks jane see ya see ya Stuff stands. Oh, weren't we going to do that? Yeah, we were. We were going to use your. Yeah, or were we going to get more we're of them? Buy some. Oh. Next year, we're going to be a brand new. Yeah, <laughs> new us. Still trying to get Brad to do music, and I reckon, you know, beginning of the mm. year would be a good time to unveil our new. Yeah, I was thinking a yeah, new song. New song. We need a new song. Yeah, we need one that's written just for us. <laughs> Come on, poor Brett though. <laughs> No, he's always doing no. these little things, no. and then, and he never does anything with them. I think, yeah, that's what I want. That, yeah, because the one he did for us is a little. Um, no, it's too spacey and yeah, weird. It's bit, mm, yeah, it's too techno and modern or something. <laughs> Just, Just a couple of old-fashioned gals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>